Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. We bless God. Uh, We want to just go straight away to the ministry of God's word. I want to, I'll be reading from the Amplified Classic Edition. Um, Could I have a little bit of uh, increase on my mic? I don't want to strain. Yes, so I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Edition. That's okay. Um, This is Exodus chapter 28, verse 1 and 2. Exodus chapter 28, from verse 1 and 2. And I read, From among the Israelites, take your brother Aaron and his sons with him that he may minister to me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abu, Eliza, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And you shall make for Aaron your brother sacred garments, appointed official dress set apart for special holy services, for honor and for beauty. And then I want us to jump in the same, same chapter. Let's go to verse 41. Still Exodus chapter 28, we want to read from verse uh, 41. Are we there? I'm still waiting. All right, I will read. It looks like there is a bit of a delay. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and ordain and sanctify them, set them apart for God that they may serve me as priests. And then we move to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, verse 30. Exodus chapter 30, verse 30. And I read, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and sanctify, that is to separate them, that they may minister to me as priests. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to speak on the subject, the realms of consecration. Turn to somebody and tell that person, the realms of consecration. And um, the purpose of my sharing is not just to Pastor David or UK. The purpose of this sharing is to each and every one of us including those who are streaming from wherever they are. If you are a minister of the gospel or if you are aspiring to be a minister of the gospel, I want you to listen to me carefully. And you see, being a minister of the gospel does not necessarily mean that you're just limited to the pulpit. You know, we are moving to a time whereby where you operate insofar as your designation is concerned, that becomes your pulpit. Because we can never win the world for Jesus when we only gather in the sanctuary. We have to go to where people are. Because Jesus went to the marketplace. Jesus went to the the seashore. He went to homes. He ministered to people wherever they are. And that is the kind of ministry that we, we, we ought to have. Because friends, the reason as to why Jesus ascended on high as per what the Ephesian epistle tells us. And he gave gifts to men, some apostles, some prophets, 
teachers, pastors, and evangelists was to serve one purpose, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, friends, it is not me who does the ministry. It is you who does the ministry. The reason why we gather in church, whether it is Sunday or Saturday, or whichever particular day of the week that has been set apart for the purposes of holding a service or a prayer meeting is because we come to fellowship and it is a time where we are equipped so that we may go out there and do the work of the ministry. The work of the senior pastor is to be a coach. Because friends, there are spheres in, in, within society that I cannot be able to access. You see, in matters... Of, I, of, 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 of IT, I think I'm, one, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person who has been able to learn it the hard way. You get what I'm saying? So for you to be able to reach out to those who understand programming, maybe you need to be a programmer who's also a minister so that you're able to speak to such kind of people. So now, I want us to understand one thing about um, ordination. Now, the weight of your ordination skills, the weight of the ordination of every one of you who is a reverend, including those who are watching, it will be void of any substance in comparison to the people that you are sent to. Ordination or consecration does not serve any purpose except to know that God does not just have people ordained. God ordains people because of the people that he's sending your way. The reason as to why I am an ordained minister of the gospel, the reason, why, the reason as to why I was consecrated in the bishopric office was not so that I may have a position. It was not because I should have a title. It was because of people. And those people include you. And not just you alone. Because, friends, I'm not just a bishop of Infinite Fellowship Ministries. I'm a bishop of so many people. You know, the difference between me and probably other ministers, and I say this to the glory of God, is that I don't talk so much about what I do. Because I don't like publicity. You must understand, beloved, that the people you are sent to, they are the ones who actuate the navigations of your ordination. The navigation of my ordination is not actuated by me. It is actuated by you. I am ordained because of you. David, you are being ordained because of the people that you are going to minister to in the United States of America. That is something that you must understand. Because, beloved, the conditions as well as also the progressive state of the people that we are sent to. That in itself becomes the ambit that will navigate you in the paths of your ordination. And that's why, as a minister of the gospel, I should never at any one time delude myself into thinking that the weight of my calling is much more important than those I oversee. You've heard me say in times past that it is not a right to be a pastor. It is a privilege to be a pastor, beloved. If you decided one day, like others, to walk out on me, there's nothing I can do. There's absolutely nothing I can do. Because you can't stop 
an adult who is fully fledged with 32 teeth. That is if at all each and every one of them is there because I have lost some. You can't stop such a person. The reason why you came was because God drew you. You get what I'm saying? And he drew you so that I may be able to bear the burden of God for your sake. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that is why, as ministers of the gospel, we should never be deluded to the notion that our years of making in the wilderness, as well as the divine encounters with God, is greater than those that we lead. You see, many times as ministers, we get caught up in experiences and divine encounters. And I bless God for the encounters that I've had with Jehovah God. I started off having these encounters at a time when I was going through all kinds of experiences. You know, I would go into the realms of visions and dreams. And of course, you know, sometimes when you're in a church setting whereby people do not understand these things, they'll begin to think that you're possessed by the devil. You get what I'm saying? I was, you know, mishandled by a couple of people, by a couple of pastors. But you see, at the end of the day, unlike most people who go around, you know, who gallivant and go speaking ill of pastors, I never spoke ill of any pastor. I just wanted to know exactly what I was getting into. You getting what I'm saying? And I had to go through a very difficult process, and it was a process of me being made to be a minister of God. Now, friends, all that is just about my past. And what I've gone through insofar as my past is concerned does not make me more important than you. It doesn't. Because, friends, if I had not gone through the things that I went through, the chances are I would not be here and you'd not be here. That is why I always remind myself as a minister that in spite of the spiritual encounters that I've had with God operating in certain realms of divine connectivity, beloved, despite the fact that I've had to go through hardship, because hardship has a prophetic purpose. At the end of it all, it was the making of a servant of God. So that I may be able to stand in my office as a minister, not because of myself, but because of people. And that is why I, 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 I say that the years in which, David, you've gone through, because I know you've gone through a lot, and even the encounters that you may have had, they do not make you greater than the people that God is sending you to. That is very important. The other thing as ministers of the gospel that we must un 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 understand is that obedience to the word of God is much more important than sacrifice. Any sacrifice that is offered outside obedience is anality. It is not a sacrifice. That is very, very important. And, and you know, friends... It does not matter how much we are provoked by people. David, I want you to understand that when you are ordained as a minister, what happens is the anointing that comes upon your life will create a battlefront for you to experience opposition. That is the truth of the matter. There are those who will question your doctrine. There are those who will question your calling. There are those who will say every kind of thing. But the most important thing that you need to know, David, is that you must obey the word of God much more than sacrifice. Because, friends, 
The Bible says that the sacrifice which is acceptable to God is the sacrifice of a broken heart. Not the sacrifice of bulls and rams. You see, God is not calling us to go through the motions of churchianity where we have intercession, prayers, and every other thing. You know, we are, we are running up and about, but, but, and yet there is disobedience. God expects us to obey him and obey the calling to be faithful and committed to the heavenly vision. That is the most important thing, beloved. So that it does not matter who says what about you, because what people say is irrelevant. What God says is fundamental. You get what I'm saying, friends? There are times, you know, even as a minister, you may be provoked to anger, but understand this. Do not allow yourself to be so angry that you are provoked to a place of fear or disobedience to the word of God. You know, provocation will come in all ways. It might even start from members of the family. It could start at the workplace. It could start at, you know, even within the estate whereby because you're so prayerful, some guys who have got certain altars begin to scream and yell, I've been there. When I used to live in Kileleshwa, in a, in, 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 I actually I remember living in, in two, in, in, in two blocks of apartment. And I remember there was this one whereby there were these guys who were from the Oriental world. And the Spirit of God opened my eyes and I saw things that were going on and I told the Spirit of God, you know what? These altars have to go. And I took time and prayed and fasted until the time when those people moved out. Because the time when they were there, you know, there were so many things that were going on in the estate and I never really got to understand until when the Spirit of God began to open my eyes. Now sometimes, you know, when you begin to disrupt what the enemy is doing, people begin to fight you in the estate. Sometimes they'll even use the management. In the current place where I was, I remember the time, during the time of COVID, they had started complaining that I'm holding meetings. One time I just went and told the manageress that, listen here, you have a pastor and I believe you obey a pastor. I am a minister of the gospel and I have to meet my visitors, hard or soft. Because I even reminded her of something that she had never done for me with regards to parking because there was a certain person who used to park so badly and everybody in the estate feared. Uh, and I remember that time, I think I remember Rev. Richie, you were with me, you were taking me to the airport. I was so angry. I lectured that manageress and she had never seen me in that state and I told her, listen, the fact that I'm a pastor does not mean that I'm soft. Now you'll have to tell that person to move before you even complain about my meetings. My meetings will continue because I'm a minister of the gospel and there's no place you'll take me. And I'm giving you several hours. If that vehicle does not move, I will call people to go to the Upper Hill Police. That vehicle will be towed and we will see what will happen. You know, I was later on told she thought that I was going to slap her, but the truth is I don't slap women. <laughs> you know? But I was later on told that the vehicle was removed. And my meetings continued until today. You get what I'm saying? A time comes, David, whereby you must be firm because the enemy will use every kind of method to oppose what you are doing. But don't be provoked to anger to the extent whereby you start fearing because fear is a snare to your, to, to your calling. 
The other thing that you must understand is that even when you go through hardship, do not murmur, do not complain. And this also applies to every one of us who works or does business. You may not be a reverend, but remember wherever you are, you are called to be an ambassador of Christ. If there's one thing we must avoid, millennials, is murmuring and complaining at the workplace, murmuring and complaining in the estate and every other place. Because murmuring and complaining is what caused Moses to miss out on the promises of God. He did not access the promised land because he, mum he, he allowed the murmuring and complaining of the people to provoke him to anger. Hallelujah. You know, when you're the kind of person who murmurs and complains, it will bring you to a place where, a point whereby you find yourself circumventing the divine law of God and it will cost you your progressions insofar as you, your ordination is concerned. You know, as ministers of God, we must not fail to sanctify the Lord before the people. Numbers 20 verse 12, it says this, this is King James, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. The context of that was that, you see, Moses was anointed. This was a guy who was a friend of God. He used to speak to God face to face. He was not like other people that, that, that God used to speak to in visions and dreams. You get what I'm saying? But just because he, he, he missed out on obeying a very simple instruction, Moses was told to speak to the rock. But Moses was so angry and he decided to strike the, you know, the rock saying, must we bring water for you out from the rock? And he struck it, and that in itself made Jehovah God angry with him. Let me tell you, David, you know, people can be very interesting. When God brings people your way, just as he brought you my way, he's bringing people who are imperfect, people who have issues, you know, people who are broken, people who probably do not even understand authority. You get what I'm saying? You know, a church is a place where we handle all kinds of people. There are those who do not understand why is it that they must submit to pastoral authority. Because, you know, when a young man with 32 teeth has got a few strands of beards below his chin and has got a broken voice, we'll always tend to believe that he is an authority. But the thing is, is you cannot be a man in authority unless you're under authority. I'm 51 years of age, but I'm still under authority. I have a father in the Lord whom most of you know. And that is what qualifies me to be in authority. If you do not like authority, then you are an enemy of God. You need to be born again. You get what I'm saying? So authority is good, but even for those of us who are in authority, we should not allow ourselves to be provoked. Because people will say all manner of things. One season they call you a man of God, the next season they call you a prominent prophet. Or a leader of a cult. Hello? You get what I'm saying? You know, it's so funny that even in light of what is going on in the country today, whereby the conversations about what happened in Kilifi, it gave some people the impetus to go on social media and they attack each and every pastor and each and every church. To the point whereby, you know, you sometimes begin to wonder whether people even know what exactly is a cult. And most times you find that some of these attacks, they have nothing to do with the mistakes of church. They have all to do with somebody's own issues. You know, when you hate a pastor with imperfect hatred, 
if I may put it that way, you need to check and ask yourself, how did you relate with authority at home? Because most people struggle with authority at home. We fight against parental authority. And you know, when you, if, if you're the kind of person who's never been able to acknowledge parental authority, you will always oppose authority everywhere. You will fight your boss at the place of work. You will fight the chairman of the management committee of the estate, wherever you stay. You live and fight pastoral authority. So anytime when you begin to find yourself being provoked, you must ask yourself whether things are okay at home. Of course, there are those of us maybe who are orphans, and even if you're orphaned, you still need to identify with someone who is able to oversee your life. Ministers of the gospel, those of you who are ordained, both those who are in-house and even those of you who are watching, understand the most heaviest burdens of God is not the calling of a man of God. Hello? The most heaviest burden of God is not the anointing that is upon those who are ordained of God. It doesn't matter how anointed you are as a pastor, as an apostle, as a prophet, as a deacon, as an elder. It is not the anointing that is upon your life that is most important. Neither is it the calling. Understand this. The heaviest burdens of God are those people who are given to be under our oversight. Because you see, friends, when God ordains somebody, when God consecrates somebody, when God sets somebody apart for service, it is because of a burden that God has. And that burden is people. And to the degree that we remain committed to fulfill the purposes of God insofar as his burden is concerned, then is when we are able to assume importance. If we fall short of being able to perceive as to what we are supposed to do insofar as upholding and pursuing the burden of God, which is his people, then we are failing. Hallelujah. Remember, friends, God is mindful of his people. He is mindful of his people. And as pastors, we need to remind ourselves that no matter how messy people may be in our sight, no matter how difficult they may be, God cares about them. And for those of you who probably think that pastors do not care, I want to submit to you that we care. And we love you in spite of your complexities. You get what I'm saying? We may sometimes manifest weaknesses. Sometimes we make mistakes. And as a matter of fact, we keep making them every now and then. But at the end of the day, what keeps us going is the grace of God. When you lift the grace of God upon a minister of God, that person is nothing. We do not serve because of our, our positions. We serve because of the grace that God has given to us to be able to minister unto you. So understand, beloved, that God regards his people and they are the heaviest of all burdens. And then we must know even as ministers of God that... Um, we are as important as those we lead. It is not the, it, 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 it's, it's not a question of us saying that the man of God is more important. You know, we live in a time whereby ministers of God, they have this grandiose mentality. You have an entourage of uh, 10 people. Uh, one person carries your, the handset that has your social line. 
The other one carries the handset that is your business line. The other one carries your handset for this and that. There's another person who carries your handkerchief and so on and so forth. It's like the security detail has to clear a way for you. Personally, um, and I say this with all due respect, I do not subscribe to such kind of niceties because they don't really apply to me. I've never seen any sense in them. At the end of the day, you know, when you're a minister of God, David, you are a servant of the people. You're not their boss. You're a servant of the people. Are we, are, we, are, we, are we getting something here? And infamy, I want you to know that we are your servants. Not, we are not your bosses. We are here to serve you and you have the right of access. The only question you must ask yourself is what do you do with the access? You know, there are those who fear certain ministers in this house because of how they speak and so on. And it's because of fatherhood. You know, God the Father does not, he, he, he's, 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 he's not as loud and as forceful as the way we think because our, our understanding of fatherhood is on the basis of how our African dads related with us. Where we think that God the Father has a big stick and is ever angry at you. That is not fatherhood. David, the reason why you are called, the reason why you are being set apart and being ordained today is because of the people you are called to serve. You see, God instructs Moses to separate Aaron and his other brethren from the congregation so that they may be consecrated, so that they may be sanctified, so that they may be ordained to serve the Lord as priests. Yes. We ordain people not for anything else, but we ordain them so that they may minister unto the Lord. And ministering unto the Lord basically entails this, ministering unto people. Because you can't be a minister of God and you, uh, without you know, ministering unto the people. Ordination has got nothing to do with the person being ordained. Ordination has got all to do with the people that you're meant to serve. That is why ordination happens. And remember, it is your ordination that will determine what mode of service you're going to offer, beloved. It is not about anything else. Ordination is what determines what kind of service. Ordination basically means you being installed, you being inaugurated in your priestly office to be able to fulfill the sublime purposes of God for your generation. It enables you to be very strategic such that you do not go gallivanting trying each and every mode of ministry. It separates you from the crowd such that you are within your own class. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your calling is not a title or a reputation. Your calling is a designated office for function. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The reason why I'm a pastor of this ministry is because of the people that God has sent me to. Why? Because I have discovered something. That the people of God whom I pastor, they are highly ranked in the systems of heaven. Much, much, much more than the covenant of my calling. 
And it doesn't matter how handicapped somebody may be. It does not matter whether a, a, a member of this congregation is less privileged. If at all you consider yourself as less privileged, I wish to submit to you that you are highly ranked than me insofar as the covenant of my calling. And my responsibility is to serve you. But look at this. I cannot force myself to serve you. Because, you know, the problem with people when they come to church, they expect the pastor to fix all their problems. They believe that the pastor has solutions. And when the pastor appears not to attend to them on their own terms, they march out in protest. And that is why there is outward rebellion in church. You must know, beloved, for me as a minister to be able to serve you as your servant, it cannot be on your terms. I can only serve you on the strength of what the word of God says and as far as what God has called you to be. I must be a minister who must be able to perceive your calling. I must know what are the ordinations of God concerning your life so that I may be able to disclose them unto you. So that you and I will partner together with the Spirit of God so that you may be able to assume your designated place to function. Hallelujah. Because you are an important person to God. And that's why, you see, the calling of God is not a title. The calling of God is an office. It is an office that every man or woman of God is supposed to assume. And this calling, I normally refer to it as the ordinations of God. And then we, the other thing we must also understand, to all of us who are pastors, those who are in-house and those who are also watching, is that the call of God is not a responsibility towards a system of rulership over men. If there's something that pastors need to be delivered from, it's from this spirit whereby we want to rule, where we want to lord it over people. We are not called to lord over people. We are called to wash the feet of the brethren. Understand this. It is not a responsibility towards a system of rulership. It is a responsibility towards a system of servanthood. Whereby those that are great must be the least. That's what the Bible says. The other thing you must also understand is that greatness does not begin from the top. Greatness begins from the bottom. Hallelujah. Greatness is a process. The journey of greatness is a process whereby you descend from the point of loftiness to the bottom of a certain dimension of life that has been defined for you. When God begins to take you through a journey of greatness in so far as deep consecrations are concerned is that there are certain things that must be stripped from you. God cannot use you when you are adorned with the wrong garments in the spirit. We are going to adorn David with the right garment, which signifies a dimension of his spiritual garments. A regalia that is recognizable with the angelic hosts. It is a dressing of his heart. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You must understand that each time a journey begins, insofar as the ordinations of God is concerned, it begins from down, not from the top. That means we must come to the level of ground zero before God can begin to walk with us. 
You know, you ask yourself, why is it that you fast and pray and there are no breakthroughs? Why is it that there is this and that? It's because you are too proud. And the Bible says God resists the proud. I don't care how many prophecies have been spoken over you. The reason as to why the season came for the fulfillment of the prophecy and things have not come to pass in your life is because you are not properly dressed in the spirit. You are dressed with the garment of pride. God gives grace to them that who are humble. And then the other thing you must understand is this. The next level of promotion will require you to descend from your previous level of success. After you have attained to success, for you to move to the next level of success, you must descend. The problem is that people want to carry the successes of the yesteryears into a season whereby that success does not apply. So you end up having a mountain of experiences. You've had experiences of how God moved in your time, but right now nothing is happening in your time. And when you see other people coming up, you begin to fight them. You begin to remind them how you are more saved than them. You know, intercessors need to understand one thing. It doesn't matter how prayerful you are. You can be so prayerful, but until you offer the right sacrifice unto God, your prayers are a nullity. Those who are intercessors. You know you can spend hours going to Catalonia and praying and it is good to do so. I have been to Catalonia a couple of times and other prayer centers. But at the end of the day, beloved, you can be an intercessor and you miss out on the move of God because all you have are fables of the past move of God. You've become a whitewashed tomb. Yes, you may even know where the commas are in the King James Bible. But as far as God is concerned, you've missed out on the hour of your visitation. So you must descend from your previous level of success so that you are empowered to be able to grow more expansively in your journey to the top. And you know, Paul puts it this way, whatsoever was gained to me, I consider it as dung that I may win Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever you attained in the past year, and other years, that in itself is done in comparison to the now. Because God is not in the past. God is in the future. God does not come from your past. God comes from the future into your present. The question that I want to ask you, do you even understand where God is coming to insofar as your consecration is concerned? And that is why, beloved, when you try to become something else other than what you were originally ordained for, you will end up manifesting as a clone of the original. Hello? Hello? You know, as long as you are in the will of God and as long as you pursue the purpose of God, what will happen is God's prophetic purpose will supply your needs. Those of us who are needy, I submit to you as follows. Are you pursuing God's purpose? Or are you pursuing things? You see, the Bible says, seek after the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The problem with ministers of the gospel is that we are chasing after material things. We are not chasing after the kingdom. We are chasing after things that are supposed to depend on us. You see, friends, God did not create man to depend on, 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 on the elements of the earth. God created the earth to depend on man. Man is supposed to be a reservoir of the innumerable treasures of the kingdom. 
But because when man fell in the garden of Eden and he lost the dimensions of God and the perspectives of God, man started depending on the natural. And the natural took, took charge. Nature started controlling man. But Jesus is restoring us to the former place. Hello. And that is why, David, you should not pursue things. Do not pursue reputation. Do not pursue opportunities. Instead, pursue God and things will look for you. Ministers of the gospel wait on God even though he appears to delay. Don't come up with your own methodology of fulfilling prophecy. Don't try to help God. Those of us who are single, God has spoken to you about marriage this year. And then like Abraham and Sarai, you start depending on human wisdom. You give yourself a miracle partner. And then you come to Bishop and you say, you know, Bishop, I had a dream about this lady. And I saw myself at the altar exchanging my vows. And your dream has no witness because the Bible says a matter shall be established by two or three witnesses. So now you've cornered Bishop. You've even cited scriptures to align your carnal instincts. You know, it is so funny. Sometimes, hey, being a pastor is hard. You tell somebody that uh, the person you claim is your future spouse is not your spouse. The next thing is that you're called a cultic pa a pastor. The next thing you'll see somebody going on social media and saying how he or she was a member of an elite cult organization where the pastor used to rebuke fornication but used to match people. I'm sure some of you know what I'm saying. And you see the reason why somebody writes that is because this person has been unable to abstain from sexual immorality. Now even as a pastor, if I call you out and tell you the word of God says, you shall not engage in fornication. Wait until you get married. Am I making a mistake? I'm not making a mistake. Or I decide to delay the, the date of your wedding. I keep on postponing. So you get very impatient. You go out there. You, 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 you manipulate a pastor to preside over your wedding. And then you come back and give a testimony. Beloved, whatsoever you reap, what, whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. If you are a kind of a person who decides to sow the seeds of carnality, you will reap the fruit thereof. Because God is not mocked. You get what I'm saying? You can mock a pastor out there. You can mock any other person, but you cannot mock God. You cannot mock God. And that is why I'm trying to encourage David here to understand that there are times people will oppose you. All because of the fact that they have their own truth. You know, we live in a generation whereby people have got their own truth. But you see, as far as the word of God is concerned, there's only one truth, and that truth is Christ. Yes. So even though they may, they may appear to, to be an element of delay in your life, you need to wait on God. Hallelujah. Then, in matters of consecration, I want us to understand this. God works through the process. God does not work through results. Uh -huh. 
Most of us are waiting for results so that we may see the workability of God. But I want to submit to you, God does not work through results. God works through the process. And anything that is ordained by God was made by process, not result. Hello? The divine proclamations of God has been fulfilled before time and they are received through process, not through results. Because every result must be preceded by a process. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're getting what I'm saying? Now the Bible says that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwelleth in it. The body that you have is the tabernacle where God is supposed to abide. That is if at all you are a believer. Now bear in mind this. God cannot function in a body or in a tabernacle that he does not own. Are you getting what I'm saying? The purpose of the consecration of the tabernacle was so that God may own the tabernacle. The purpose as to why we are going to ordain David today is so that God may take absolute sovereignty in the life of David. That none of us will ever say over his life. That even if I'm to speak to him prophetically via Zoom call, I must tell him what God is saying so that God may confirm to him. He's being separated, not so that he may serve me. He's being separated to serve the sublime purposes of God. Are we together, beloved? And you know, God does not use anything that he doesn't own. God can not use a person who does not want to submit to the Lordship of Christ. You see, many of us, we acknowledge the Savior of Christ, but we do not want to submit to the to the lordship of Christ. And that is why, beloved, God will never reign in your life unless you commit yourself wholeheartedly unto him. That's the truth of the matter. And that is why the purpose of, con of concentration is to allow the ministers of gospel to be able to minister unto God as well as minister unto the people of God. And beloved, God cannot allow you as a minister who is not subject to his sovereignty to handle the holy things of God. There are holy things of God that only those who are consecrated handle. You've heard me saying that consecrated things belong to a people who are consecrated. If you're not consecrated, you cannot qualify to handle the holy things of God. Those who minister at the place of the altar must understand that everything that is found in the altar is holy. It has been dedicated unto God. And for you to be able to function so that the flow of the Spirit of God may engulf a service such as this, you must be consecrated. Because friends, consecrated is a pattern and a texture of living which the Holy Ghost added to our existence. It is, a, it, you know, it is an aspect of living that is most peculiar unto each and every one of us. Then the other thing you must know, as ministers of God, is that consecration is meant to keep you in a perpetual alignment with your divine and eternal purpose. Wow. Wow. That is why we consecrate people. And I hope you've heard that, David. The other thing about consecration, consecration is tested when you have two options besides your choice. <laughs> Hello? When you have two alternatives, that is now when consecration comes in. And most times, the, the most preferable opportunity is not the one God wants. You get what I'm saying? And this is where we must learn how to hear the voice of God. Not to hear what the flesh is saying. Not to hear what men are saying. 
We must come to the place whereby we say no to certain things. And, and, and I want you to, I want you to uh, n- not to misunderstand me. You see, whatsoever applies to one person does not apply to you. The English people say one man's meat is another man's poison. What may work for me may not work for you. So don't try my methodology. It's going to backfire on you. You must be able to come to a place whereby you determine what pattern has God ordained for you to live your life. Not even what your family is saying. What is God saying? And whatever God says must agree with the counsel of his word. So that we avoid a situation where we become people who quote scripture out of context. Hello? And you know, Consecration is, is usually bathed in your journey of dealings with God. And this is a place whereby people tend to fear. This is a place whereby people give up, you know, even to the extent whereby people want to commit suicide. There must be a place whereby you begin to undergo divine dealings with God, not the dealings of men, the dealings of God. And you see, bear in mind, consecration is not what you drive yourself into. It is what the Spirit drives in you. You cannot drive yourself to become consecrated. The Spirit of God is the one who carries you along. And that is why you and I must come to the place whereby we yield to the impetus of the Spirit. And then, you know, consecration is personal to an individual. It is not a general perspective for everybody. Your consecration is personal to you. It is so personal that I cannot put myself in your position and expect myself to be consecrated like you because we are diverse. Diversity is with purpose. The reason why God will consecrate somebody in a very unique way is because of purpose. That's the truth of the matter. And you know, there can never be consecration unless the Spirit of God enforces it. Okay? Because we know very well that those of us who are in Christ, we must know that the spirit that enforces consecration is the Holy Ghost. Not any other spirit. But it is mechanized by the man in whom the Holy Ghost enforces consecration. Hallelujah. And you know what, you know what determines the quality of your consecration is the kind of spirit that empowers it. Hello? Now, what is the real test of a minister of God? The real test of a minister's consecration will always come when you want to do something that is considered successful in mainstream ministry and yet you are restrained by the Lord not to do it. And I know Kenyan ministers do not want that. We want to know what a particular church is doing and we want to apply. You know, I was under pressure when we started Infame. I was being told that we need to do lunch hour meetings so as to attract people. We need to do ABCD. I was being told by everybody. And I told them, listen here. I cannot do lunchtime meetings. Not because lunchtime meetings are bad. If a pastor invites me to minister in a lunchtime meeting in town, I'll go. But Infame will never have lunchtime meetings. Never, 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 ever. Do you know why? It's because that is not my emphasis. In my journey of dealings with God, I was never called to do lunchtime meetings. There was even time whereby we were being told that we need to have a place in town and, and, you know, put up church. And I was asking some of these people, is that what the Lord has said or is that what you feel? There are times, you know, people will tell you, you know, you need to have more meetings so that you may 
you know, call forth for offerings so that, you know, the more money you have, the more you'll be stable. And I told them, beloved, I'm not in the ministry because of offerings. You can't buy me. I served God when I didn't have money. And I'm serving him even with money. You can take away everything, but I'll still be serving God with my head high. That is me. I know what it means to be contented and yet with nothing. And I know what it means to have abundance and still have a God in heaven. Beloved, whatever applies in a particular segment of ministry does not necessarily mean it must apply to you. We must guard against peer pressure, especially if you are a minister. And for you, David, to be effective in a spiritual sense, you must be committed to the process of deep consecration and total commitment. There must be a commitment whereby you come to a level whereby you enter the process of deep consecration to scriptural and spiritual institutions in the days, weeks, and years ahead of you. Hallelujah. Whatever may be successful to others, David, may not be God's specific will for your life. Because my understanding of success is this, or let me put it this way. This is how I would define success. Success is, de is, is defined by obedience to specific leadings of God. A person who does not obey the leadings of God is not considered successful. Because at the end of the day, every expression of success will be revealed by the fruit it, 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 it springs forth. Jesus said we will know them by the fruit. That is the truth of the matter. And that is why, beloved, you see, the more we get to know, the more we know God by revelation and the knowledge you have, it should actually result in a deeper level of consecration. The problem with a lot of Christians is that we have a lot of information about God from social media and from every publication, but there's nothing changing in our lives. You go from conference to conference. You'll quote a Nigerian minister. You know, Kenyans are very interesting people. When ministers from out of the country, especially from, from West Africa or from even America come, they will even miss church to attend the meeting. And then as a pastor, you know, you wait to see whether there's any change and there's no change. But we'll talk about that man and what he did. And, and it's not that the man of God was off. You know, some of the people that you guys talk so highly about, they are very good because I've listened to some of their teachings on YouTube. But the question I'm asking is, why haven't I not seen any, any impact in your life? You only have information. You see, when you get to touch base with the revelation, there must be a level of deep consecration in your life. There must be a place whereby you are separated from certain things. That's the truth of the matter. So that we are able to see the fruit of your success. Hello? You get what I'm saying? Because consecration is a proof that a man is matured in spiritual things. Because, you know, whenever you enter any single gate in the spirit, through your spiritual journey, one thing you'll understand is that there are things that will be removed from you and there are things you'll, you'll, you'll receive from God. Ask yourself, if you're truly consecrated, what are some of those things that God has taken away from you? Have old habits died in your life? Are you full of bitterness and unforgiveness? Are you full of arrogance? Let me tell you, you, do not, you, you, you need to be born again. 
Because a person who has gone through consecration will be humble. A person who's gone through consecration will be careful of how he or she speaks. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must open your, your life up to the influences of the Spirit of God to whom you must heal in order for you to be led. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying in for me? You must come to the place whereby you abide in the place of divine dealings with God. Because friends, there are things in your life that God wants to remove. And there are things he wants to give you. And one thing I've known about God is that God will use some of the most unorthodox ways of dealing with issues in your life. If God wants to deal with arrogance in your life, he will bring someone who's more arrogant than you. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You know, when you say, God, I want to be humble, do you know what, what you're telling God? To bring someone who is more arrogant. And the more you, you, and, and you see, the more you express arrogance, the more this person becomes more arrogant and steps on you. And there's nothing you can do. You get what I'm saying? You want God to help you to be able to forgive and love people. God will bring you people who are unlovable. People who are full of hate. They curse, they use the curse word left, right, and center. And you are expected to love this person in spite of what? Or you think having some of you people here is easy. Some of you guys are difficult. Yes. Some of you guys are difficult. You know, to keep coming on a Sunday and seeing faces of people who've been very difficult takes the grace of God. Otherwise, if it was those other times, it would be a different story. But we bless God for, for, for the fact that he's given us grace. You know? That you have to deal with a person who refuses to pick your call and lies to you that he was on another call. And you know, the gift of word of knowledge is so active in me. There are times I can tell when, I, when a congregant is lying that I was very busy and the truth is that you're not busy. But I'll actually act like, yes, indeed, you are very busy. Okay? You need to ask God to help you address certain things in your life. And the truth is, God will address it in his own style. And some of you need to have fathers in your life. If your dad is not alive... Find somebody who can be a father figure to you. And that person will not agree with everything you say. That person will stamp out everything that is wrong in you to bring out the stature of the true kind of a person you have. If you have been the kind of person who despises your dad because of his weaknesses, it is time for you to reconcile with your father. You know, it's wrong to criticize your father for one mistake and forget all the good things he's done from the time when you were born. Are you getting what I'm saying, friends? Huh? Never despise your father. Because if you despise your father, then you basically destroy the foundation of your life. And even if you call me papa, though there are people who have a problem with that, but that's their problem. Yeah. That's another side of me, but that's not important. Listen here, even if you call me papa, if you've not made things right with your father at home, calling me papa is a waste of time. You must start from home. 
until your father blesses you or that guardian who took the role of your father when your real dad died, until you honor that person, my friend, there's no place you're going. There's no place you're going. That's why we've got a lot of rebellion even at the workplace. Things are just going, because people do not, want, people do not acknowledge fatherhood. Okay? And you can see that in social media, how people attack delegated authority. Hallelujah. So, beloved, I will stop there. I will stop there. And uh, I want us to stand. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.